listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. a gift this morning who wants a book a free book come on Ty there you go I'm going to give that to you it's the series that we've been doing weird because normal isn't working it's a phenomenal series and we're going to continue with that series today I want to begin today by reading something to you just a few um, lines if I may and it says this obviously none of us sets out to drift away And separate ourselves from familiar mile markers by which we navigate, but it happens to us all the time. I'm going to read that one more time if I can. Obviously, none of us set out to drift away and separate ourselves from familiar mile markers by which we navigate, but it happens to us all the time. This morning, I want to talk about drift happens. Drift happens. There was a coin phrase I remember when I grew up in church that they used to use this phrase, that people are backsliding. Anyone remember that phrase? That they would talk about people backsliding, sliding back, that their walk with God. Someone used this analogy that backsliding is slack abiding. And how we can drift away. However you want to coin the phrase today, unfortunately in our lives there's a drift that takes place. That we drift away from that which is the most important and that's our relationship with God. If we don't focus on where we are at, we're going to drift away from the priorities time and time again, including our number one priority. The anchor that secures all of our values, all of our beliefs, our convictions, and that is our relationship with God. In the book, Weird Because Normal Isn't Happening, Craig Groeschel gave an illustration of how he and his family were having a vacation on the beach. He and his kids left their condo, went out, and for hours they were just playing in the surf, having a great time, and in and out of the water, and swimming, and and throwing balls, just having a great, great time. And he said, as the sun began to go down, he said to his kids, come on kids, it's time for us to go in. And when they came out of the ocean and stood, all of a sudden they realized their condo was gone. Where's the condo? It's not there. But what had happened was in the process of play, in the process of not paying attention, the current, the tide had caused them to drift along the beach, finding themselves almost half a mile away from where they originally started. I wonder how far today we have gone. I wonder how far today we have drifted. 
and not even realized that we have. There's a little illustration that I heard as a child and I've never forgot it and that is this. You can take a frog and you can put it in cold water and you can turn up the temperature of that water gradually and that frog will end up boiling to death. Why is that? Because he will begin to change his body temperature to accommodate what is happening around him without realizing that he is losing control and without realizing he can't handle it any longer. And he will literally boil to death. But you know what? You can take a frog and drop him into boiling water. And you know what he'll do? He'll jump straight out. I think it's amazing that life that we live today is just turning up the temperature little by little. That we find ourselves just giving in a little bit. Oh, that's just a little bit of compromise. Oh, that's nothing major. It's nothing. Oh, it's just one Sunday I'm not in church. You know, God knows I can't pay my tithes this month because, man, that extra utility bill, this, that, on the other. We can find ourselves little after little and we think that we're okay. Because we think we can handle it. We think that we're adapting right. We think that we're making everything all right. But I wonder tonight or this morning if the temperature is perhaps a little bit hotter than you realize. I wonder how far we really have drifted away. I wonder where our relationship, and that's the question I want to ask you today. And I want you to hear my heart today. But I want you to hear the cry of God today too. And that is this, how is your relationship with God? We're not talking about how was it. We're talking about here, now, right at this moment. How is it? Because really, that's what this series has been all about. It's been challenging every one of us to live a lifestyle. Not just making minor adjustments. Because listen, if minor adjustments could work, they would have worked a long time ago. They don't work. It's time we start making some drastic major adjustments in our lives and realizing, come on, normal isn't working. Come on, normal people are broke, they're miserable, their marriages are failing, they're in debt up to their eyeballs. Come on, it's not working. It's not working and it's not worth it. But how is our relationship with God? And we've been challenged to live a lifestyle that honors God. To live a life that people may look at you and say, you're weird. But that's perhaps the greatest testimony that you can have. That people would look at you and say, there's something different. Have you ever had someone inquire and say, what is it about you? There's something different. I mean, the way you handle adversity, the way you just, the the spirit, there's something different about you. What a testimony to say, can I tell you what it is? I'm weird. They may look at you at first and say, weird, what do you mean? And you can say, I'm a person that is sold out to God, that wants to live according to his word. Because that's what being weird is about. Following God's word and living according to his way. You've got to be weird to really know God. You've got to be weird to truly know God. I wonder today how many Christian atheists are sitting in this place. I wonder how many Christian atheists are under the sound of my voice today. What do I mean by being a Christian atheist? I mean, that's a crazy statement, isn't it? 
Can I tell you what a Christian atheist is? Someone who believes in God yet lives as though he does not exist. Oh, I go to church. I do this and I do that. If that's the kind of philosophy you use for making you a Christian, you better not hang out in your garage too long because you may start being a car. And if you work at McDonald's, watch out, you may become a Big Mac really soon. It's amazing how we equate so many things, but we say it works for this, but not for this. I'm telling you, it's the same across the board. How many people today say they love God and they live for God? Or they serve God, but their actions don't show forth that. You see, you can't be both normal and weird. You can't have it both ways. And instead of seeing our relationship with God grow, many of us today have less of a relationship with God than the day we first gave our lives to Him. When we first got saved, that was the starting point. Thank God for that starting point. Do I hear an amen? That was the day my life was changed. But it wasn't just a day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There needs to be change and growth. That was a starting. That was a launch pad. That was the beginning. Come on, you don't win a race by just crossing the start line. You got to keep on running. You got to keep on going. You got to keep on pursuing. You got to keep on following after God. But yet, how many of us today can look and say our relationship with God is not even what it was the day we first got saved? Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. It says this, therefore, you know, when the Bible says therefore, I think we need to stop and see what it's there for. Do I hear an amen? And the Bible says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things That we have heard. For what reason? Lest we drift away. The Message Bible says it this way. It's crucial that we keep a firm grip. I like that. It's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we have heard so that we don't drift off. Say with me, drift happens. And you know why it happens? Because God's Word just told us it does. And that's not an excuse for us. Well, God knows that we're going to drift away, so I guess, hey, that's life. God's not telling us this as an excuse for us. God's given it to us as a warning, reminding us, you better give earnest heed. You better pay attention to your relationship. Why? Because if not, you're going to find the condo's gone. And you're not where you thought you were. You're going to find the temperatures a little bit hotter and you may be starting to boil to death. Come on, that's not a nice place to be. And if you think the pot's hot, just wait till you get to hell. Look what it says as we read on in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 2. How shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, how can we escape if we neglect our life with God? 
We know drift happens. We know it's so easy to get caught away. But you know what? I don't want to just turn around and say, well, that's normal. Everyone else is doing that. Come on. The whole thought of this whole series is normal's not working. I don't want to be there no more. I want to be weird. I want to make sure that I'm right and in the right place at the right time. I want to be with God. I'm sure there is no one, not one of us in here that thinks this. You know what? I'm tired of pursuing God. I know he's blessed me. He sure has. And he's been really good to me. But you know what? I just think it's time that I just drift for a while. I just want to drift on downstream for a while and see where it takes me. There's no one here that would think like that. If you're in your right mind. But yet we are. Just drifting. Drifting. Listen to what Craig Rochelle says. He says, the current of normalcy will pull you away from God at every opportunity if you let it. You may be shocked to hear today that God hasn't gone anywhere. Well, I don't know, Pastor. God's just not there. I pray and he's not there. I pray and ask him and he's gone. I mean, he's not there. I just don't feel him anymore. I don't know where God has gone. God hasn't gone anywhere. But you have. I have. Who moved? We did. Getting sidetracked today from God is so easy and I don't have to tell you that. There's so many distractions, there's so many pulls, there's so much outside help for our hearts to begin to wander away. Remember the scripture that we use for the foundation of this series. And if you don't, I'm going to read it again for you. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Let's read them together. Follow along on the screen or in your Bible. It says in verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. New Living Translation says you can only enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Say with me the normal way. That's the normal way. Broad, wide, highly populated. Many people go in that way. Verse 14, but narrow or because narrow is the gate and difficult or straight is the way which leads to life. And watch out, there is only a few who find it. Say with me, the weird way. Too many people are not following God. Too many people are choosing to go the popular route. Everyone else is doing it. It's comfortable. It's normal. But it's time that we follow him. Following God is more than just a title or coming to church. Following God is more than just even serving in the house. Following God is more than even paying your tithes. It's saying, I'm going to live weird. I'm going to go against the flow and listen to this. I'm going to love every second of it. Because there's a life that can be not endured, but there's a life that can be enjoyed. And it's a life living for God. If you're enduring life, you're not living for God. Because living for Him is a life to enjoy. The thief comes to kill, to steal, 
and destroy. But God says, I have come that you may have life and you may have fun, that you may have excitement, that you may have peace, that you may have joy, that you may have hope that no one else has. Come on, that's what the Bible says. It's a life of more than abundance. So where does the drift come from? Satan. Satan. He wants nothing more than to steal your relationship with God. Because he can take you off of this earth and that can be a physical death. But there's something worse than a physical death and that's an eternal death. Where your soul does not know God and you are lost for eternity. He wants nothing more than to steal, kill and destroy. We just read that, John 10, 10. That's nothing I want today. Is that anything you want? You want to be stolen from? You want to be killed and you want to be destroyed? Satan can take care of it if you want. If you want to be a contender for that, Satan's ready for you to take it. He's taking names right now. That's normal. That's normal. But remember what we read in Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If you allow your enemy to steal your faith, he will destroy your life and kill your relationship with God. Why? Because he's the deceiver. He's the father of lies. So we must be wise to his tricks. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11. It says, do not be ignorant. Lest Satan take advantage of us, do not be ignorant of his devices. He wants to destroy our faith. That's his speciality. And he started with Eve. Poor Eve. But we've got to learn something here. Look what it says in Genesis 3 verse 1. The Satan came to Eve and he said to her these words, Did God really say? I mean, come on, let's be real, Eve. What was it really God said? I mean, did he really say it like that? I mean, what did he really say? You know what she, he was doing? He was starting to sow seeds of doubt in her mind, making her question the authority of God. Making... Her question, the word of God. You see, he was the one, Satan was the one that was lying, but he made it out as if God was the one that was lying. And listen to this. And not only was God lying, but he made it out that God was keeping something from her. Because look what it says in verse 4 and 5. He says to her, then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. But can I tell you what happens? God even knows this, that the day that you eat of this fruit, your eyes are going to be opened. And hold on, Eve, listen to this. This is what God's keeping from you. And you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. You know what Satan did next? I said, do you know what Satan did next? He had weakened her faith by questioning God's authority. And here's what he did next. He stepped back and he just simply waited. He didn't have to say anything else. The process had already begun. He simply waited and he watched as the seeds he had sown began to grow and blossom. And then that seed bore deadly fruit. And the woman took and ate and gave to her husband. But it didn't end with Eve. It still continued. And it still continues today. 
If you've been in this church for a while, you've heard me say this. I'm glad Eve ate that fruit because if she hadn't, one of us probably would have. Come on, you holy bunch. Maybe you wouldn't have eaten it, but you would have told someone else to eat it for you. I know how you all are. Got your little brother to do it or your little sister to do it. Manipulated someone. But it didn't stop that day. Satan still today has been sowing seeds, making us question, causing us to drift, drift, drift. Maybe you're just drifting today. Maybe things haven't happened as you think they should and you're questioning, what's the deal, God? You know what's happening? You're drifting. You're drifting away from that which is your source, your help, your strength. Look what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 from the New Living Translation. He says, but I fear that somehow you are going to be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. Paul's saying, I'm afraid for you. That that simple, that devotion, that undivided devotion that you have, which is pure. I'm I'm, I'm fearful that somehow you're going to be led away from that. Can I help you today? You want to know when the devil's lying? Can I tell you when the devil's lying? Whenever his lips are moving. If you want to know when the devil's lying, whenever his lips are moving, you better not conversate with him because all he wants to do is undermine Sow those seeds of that. Drift happens. I want to look at some steps, if I could, that takes place in our lives as we find ourselves drifting away or things that perhaps cause us to drift away, however you want to look at it. But steps that begin to happen when our relationship isn't where it needs to be. Here's step number one, what happens? We begin to blame God. Perhaps today you are in that place. Perhaps you would say, well, I will never blame God consciously. But yet subconsciously, I wonder how many times we perhaps blame God because the circumstances of our life are not falling into place. Come on, it's easy to get unhappy about the circumstances of God and someone's to blame, so why not blame God? There's some things that you need to hear today. And that is this, there is nowhere in the Bible that it says these words, give your life to God and you will have no more problems You will have no more worries and you will have no more concerns. Do you understand that? The Bible doesn't say, give your life to me and it's smooth sailing from here on out. It's all hunky-dory. It's all downhill from here. But let me help you what the Bible does say. Look what it says in John 16, 33. It says this, in this world you will have troubles. In this world, you're going to have tribulations. I wonder why God would say that. I mean, come on, God. I mean, save us. I wonder why he would say that. Here's why. It's first a warning to us. But secondly, that we can know our source of peace, where we can run to in trouble. Because what does it say? Read on. Be of good cheer. Take heart. Say with me. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Take heart. These are words that God has spoken. I have overcome the world. Well, I just don't think life is fair. Take heart today. God has overcome everything. Just begin to trust Him. 
It gets better than that. James 1, verse 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy. It's not a typo. That's what it really says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Look at the first word of verse 3. Knowing. Knowing. Come on, say that with me. Knowing. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, endurance, perseverance. So quickly we look because of the trials. So quickly we look at the hard times. So quickly we look at the dry times. Label them however you want, but we label them as times where God has gone. You left me. You forsook me. We blame God. But when we blame God, what we're really doing is just drifting away. But the Bible says, knowing, knowing, but to know him. What did we just read? To know him produces endurance and a perseverance within us. It's totally weird to look forward to difficult times, to adverse circumstances. But this passage tells us the advantage of thinking that way. Come on, stop blaming God for where you're at and start trusting God. Why? Because count it all joy. We're going to go through some troubles and trials. But look what happens when we hold fast and we keep trusting God. Verse 4 says, But let patience or perseverance have its perfect work that you may be perfect. That means mature. And that you may be complete. I love the next part. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. You see, today God doesn't cause these problems. But every time he's the way of escape. But what do we do? We blame him and therefore we drift away. Drift away. Drift away. He wants to complete us through those things. He wants to build us. He wants us to be blessed. So here's what we must do. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. We must trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And lean not onto our own understanding. We're good at doing that. Verse 6. In all our ways acknowledge him. Remember, knowing, acknowledging God. There's a pattern here, isn't there? To be in relationship with him. Not drifting away, but holding fast, as we read in the Message Bible. Grabbing a hold of. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your entire life. You want to know who you want to marry? Don't drift away. Trust God. You want to know what you're going to do about that next job? Don't drift away. Get on your knees and cry out to God. Get in relationship with Him. Why? Because you need Him now more than ever to direct your path. But notice what it says. It says, all your heart, not just a little. I've discovered this. Anyone can give a little. That's all normal requires. Just give a little. But normal requires a little, but it takes everything. You missed that one. Normal just requires a little, but it ends up taking everything. It's just a little step. It's just a little thing, but then it ends up consuming you and taking you. It's giving everything to God. That's weird today, isn't it? That's weird to stand up and be a quarterback in the NFL today and say, I just want to thank Jesus. 
He's my Lord and Savior. There has been so much in the news over the last couple of weeks. Even Christian people saying, I wished he would lay off all that Jesus stuff. You know what? I'm glad that there's someone who is standing up and saying there's a Jesus up there. And I'm glad that there's someone that's admitting that they're praying to God. And I pray today that he blows the New England Patriots out of the water. That's just my prayer today. And if you disagree, that's up to you. Everyone's wanting him to fail. And I know that he's not going to win every game from now on out. But you know what? I tell you this. In defeat, he's going to still stand up there and say, I want to thank Jesus. We didn't maybe win today, but God is still awesome in the house. But we drift. We're worried about what other people. It's not our whole hearts anymore. It's half-hearted. I'm going to lose money. I'm going to lose endorsements. He's already lost a lot because of his stand. Don't you think perhaps God is honoring him now because of that stand? Come on, right now, you cannot ever. What I'm saying is this, God is no man's debtor. If you give to God, I'm telling you, he's going to give back to you and he gives back, press down. Come on, I could dance on the platform right now. God says, I'm going to give down, press down, shaking together and running over. Trust God despite it all. Why? Because he has overcome the world. And God didn't overcome the world for his benefit. He did it for yours, for your benefit. He's an anchor that we can hold on. So what we've got to watch is that we begin to drift away when we start blaming God. Here's another step that we've got to watch. We've got to watch hanging around bad influence. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, or even what you think you are. If you're hanging around the wrong crowd, you're going to be corrupted. That's what God's word says. Why? Because evil company corrupts good habits. I know this example has been played out so much in church. William, come up here. Can you stand up on the platform here with me? Quickly, quickly, quickly. Run, run, run. That's a big guy right there. Come and stand right up here, Will. Will is an incredible Christian. Stand right close to the edge. Will's an absolutely incredible Christian. He loves God. He's living for God with all his life. God has saved and transformed his life. And his desire now is, I'm going to go and win as many people as I can for God. So he's got a buddy called Phil. He's trying to help. But he's got to be careful on how he's helping Phil because we're going to see what begins to happen if we don't watch. What Will wants to do is Will wants to lift me up to his level. That's all you got, Will. (laughs) All right? Notice the struggle. I mean, he's a big guy. He wants to lift me up to his level. But watch this. No, don't don't come down yet. Stay up there. (laughs) Watch this. He tried with everything he had to lift me up to his level. But watch. See how easy it is? Thanks, Will. See how easy it is for me to pull him down to mine? We've perhaps seen that illustration so many times. It's hard to lift someone up, but it's easy to be pulled down. Come on, I want you to get that into your spirit. It's hard. It's not impossible, but it's hard to lift someone up. But it's very easy to be pulled down. So many people today see nothing wrong with surrounding themselves with people who couldn't care less about God. Perhaps they even want to call it dating evangelism. I'm just going to date them and then they'll get saved. 
They'll love me so much that they want. I remember this little girl when I was a young kid. Can I tell you about Pastor P? Beautiful little girl. I remember her. And she wasn't saved. So I asked her two questions, not one, two. First question was, do you want to get saved? Do you want Jesus? She said, yes. And I said, well, I'm ready for the second one. Do you now want to be my girlfriend? <laughs> Let's get the first taken care of first. And then we'll take care of the rest. But you see, the problem with spending time with people of poor character is they're always going to rub off on you and not the other way around. Little by little, they're going to pull you away from God until you're miles away. And you may say, Pastor P, well, how can we reach them for Christ? There is ways that you can reach them without going to the bars. Set the standards and say, hey, if you want to hang out with me, come to church with me. Come out for a meal with me and my wife. Set things on your standards, not theirs. Because some, so many times people have such a heart to win their friends and the people they hung with. But you need wisdom as well in your life. Do I hear an amen? You need wisdom how to lead them. You can't force someone. But we've got to watch that we don't get pulled down. And you can't beat this. I don't care who you are. I've seen person after person try and say, well, I can reach them and I can go in and I can, I can date them and it's not going to affect my life. Ending up neglected their salvation and they're perhaps not even in church today. So we can blame God. We can find ourselves around the wrong influence. Here's what happens too when we begin to drift away. The third step is this. We begin to give into temptation. As we drift, we become so much more susceptible to fall into temptation. We talked about it last Sunday. If you're not there, you're not there. If you're not near the edge, you can't fall over. If you're playing golf and you don't get the ball to the hole, it stands 100% chance not making it into the hole. Think about that. If you don't get it there, it stands 100% chance of not making it in. If you're not there, you're not there. We need to distance ourselves. But yet when we drift, we find ourselves succumbing to temptation. You see, the trap of temptation is laid out and the bait is in place. But you and I don't have to take it. You've got to understand this. God doesn't cause your problems and neither does he tempt you. Look what it says in James 1 verse 13 through 16. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Neither does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted. We are tempted when we are drawn away. By what? By our own desires and enticed. Drawn away. Drifted away. Verse 15, then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be deceived. That passage tells us who is responsible. That passage tells us who is responsible for falling victim to the temptation and the sin around. It's not even the devil's fault and it's certainly not God's fault and it's not the people around you's fault. But the Bible says it's your fault. That you are responsible because of your own desires, because of your own appetites, because of drifting away from relationship. You now find yourself falling victim to those things. I'm telling you right now, if you are on fire from God and you're living for God, it's probably 99% sure that you're not going to fall victim to temptation. Doesn't happen because you haven't got desire for that. You want the things of God. But notice when temptation is most rampant in your life is the further and further you find yourself away from God. 
slack abiding, backsliding, drifting away. Temptation is around us every day. People are given into it. And to begin with, they enjoy it. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 25, it's the passing pleasures of sin. There's pleasures, but for a moment. We know the saying that any fish can swim with the flow. A normal fish can swim with the flow, but it takes a weird one to swim against. Fallen victim to our own desires, and what happens? We begin to drift here a little, there a little. But I wonder today how far have we gone? Let me move on quickly. Step number four, that we begin to love the world. We begin to desire the things of the world more than the things of God. Look what it says in 1 John 2 verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty strong words. They're pretty weird words today. We can say, well, he doesn't really mean that. He doesn't really. I'm telling you, he means what he says. We've got to understand that. The Bible says he's not a man that he should lie. So as he said it, so shall he not do it. But yet how many of us, the world today makes it so easy to love everything here. That we desire after it, to place it before God. And we don't just love it today. We look at it for our identity. We are what we drive. We are what we wear. We are what we do. It becomes our identity. The world, the world, the world, the world. If we desired God, as much as we desired a new car, our lives would be incredible. If we desired God as much as we want more money in our bank account, our lives would be absolutely off the charts, be off the scale. But what happens? We find our attentions being diverted. And now we love the world more than we love God. We drift, we drift, we drift. What does Jesus say about that? Luke 12, verse 34. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. Put in the GPS coordinates of what you want and you'll get there. But is it the way that God wants for your life? Are you going after the things of this world more than the things of God? Because the love of the world is like that. It causes you to drift away and something becomes of greater importance. Our priorities change. The pull and the tug of this world and all its appeal will cause us to drift away from the rock, Christ Jesus. You know what then happens? Step number five, we begin to fake it. We begin to fake it. Faking comes more and more into play. Saying out there, fake it to make it. We think we're fooling others. But can I tell you right now, we're never fooling God. Look what it says in Matthew 7, 21. But everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall what? They're not going to enter. Everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is not going to enter heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Faking it with God is not possible. It's impossible because God knows what's going on in your heart. We've become masters of fooling others, talking our Christianese. Come on, we all know that language. Bless God, praise God, glory to God. God's been so good and favorable. The Christianese that we speak, but yet living as a hypocrite. Drifting further and further away from God. So how can we prevent, Pastor, you've talked about the drift and what's going on. How can we prevent that from taking place in our lives? Well, we need to give our attention to 
where we are, where we want to go, and the direction of the current. We've got to hold on to lifelines. And that's what this whole series has been about. Changing our lifestyle. Not just the minor adjustments, as we said. It's about making drastic decisions to get our lives back on track. About building an anchor and anchor points throughout our lives so that we remain tethered to our love of God. Let me give you a few lifelines, if I could, as we close this morning. Life number one. It's a good one to help you stop drifting. Start reading your Bible. Come on, read the Bible. The Bible is more than a book. It's more than a coffee table ornament. It's more than a coaster for your coffee in the morning. It's more than just sliding backwards and forwards on the back window of your car that you maybe take out every other Sunday. But all it does is fade and slide, fade and slide. Wow, my Bible used to be black. Now it's white. It's been in the sun for too long and not the right sun. The S-U-N, not the S-O-N. Come on. We need to read our Bible. It's God's story, but it's more than just God's story. It's his story to you. It's a collection of love letters. It's guidance. It's a road through life. Listen to this. The word of God is active and it's alive. It wants to do something in your life. How do I know that? Read Ephesians 4 verse 12. For it's living and powerful. What is it? Romans 2 verse 2 or 12 verse 2. It will renew your mind. 2 Timothy 2.19, it will put you on a firm foundation. Hebrews 12.26-28, it will cause you never to be shaken in your life. In other words, it's a good thing to have inside of you. Here's a second lifeline, it's a good one too, pray. Pastor P, this is so elementary, so what's your excuse? I mean, that's all I've got to do? Yeah, that's all you've got to do. It will change your life. Five minutes with God a day is going to change your life. I'm telling you, five minutes of quality time with God will change your life. Some people say, well, I pray for five hours a day. Well, God bless you. Can you pray for me during those times? Because I obviously need some help. (laughs) Give God five minutes of quality time a day and it will grow and it will grow. And it's not hard to pray. It's not strange or scary. A lot of people think that, but prayer is just really talking to God. But I will say this, that remember, any time you're talking to someone, there needs to be a two-way connection. So when you pray, don't just keep praying. Stop and listen to. And listening isn't closing your eyes from 10 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock in the morning. Come on. God, I've just prayed. Now I'm going to listen. Someone like that. Thank you. Lifeline number three. You ready? Worship God. Oh, you mean worship means something? You better believe it. It's not just something we need to do in church. It's not just something we do when the band begins to lead us. You may be amazed to know that God is outside of the church building too. Maybe a shock to some of you. God's in your car going home. Well, I hope he is. Because if he's inside of you, he's wherever you go. Worship, I believe, is such an important thing. And I haven't got time to go through it, but I will say this. Go online and and podcast all our series that we did on Behind the Music. Get the CDs, listen to it, ask for it. Why? Because worship is so important. We can worship God anywhere at any time. But it's so sad to see normal people today, even in this church, that try to avoid worship all the time. They come in late, hopefully they miss it. And if they don't, they just don't sing. They just sit there. They don't participate. 
and they don't involve themselves. Listen to what Craig Rochelle says in the book. I think it's amazing. What a great statement or a great thought, he said. It's almost like they don't realize that the creator of the universe knows their name and loves them. Do you realize that the creator of the universe knows your name and he loves you? But yet when it comes to worshiping him, we have nothing to give. Sad, sad, sad. You know, to be weird involves being undignified. David said, read the story for yourself in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14 through the end. David says, if you think you've seen something now, just wait because I'm going to become even more undignified than this. You know what David was saying? I don't care about what other people think. I'm giving glory and honor to the audience of one. I'm learning to worship God. Learn to worship God continually through your life and take time to thank him. Last but not least, here's another lifeline. Get connected. Get planted. Or as you all say, planted. It's really planted. Get plugged in. Get involved in church. You know there's three type of people in church? I wonder which one you are. There's the drop-ins. Just kind of come and go. Show up when they want. Leave when they want. Just casual. Don't really care. Then there's a second group of people. They're the absorbers. They come for the free coffee and the donuts and the food. And when there's a need in their lives, they want to put up their hand. They want the church to pray. Oh, well, we need financial help. Can you pay my utility bills? That's the absorbers. They're just coming in to take whatever they can, but never given anything in return. And then there's the third group of people. They're the contributors. They come and say, how can I serve? How can I be a part? How can I reach people? And it's amazing. The absorber and the, conti- uh, and the contributor from the outside may appear to be the same. But there's a distinct difference, and that is this. A contributor looks and says, what can I give back? How can I serve? How can I reach out? These are lifelines that I believe work. I've said this so many times. I don't believe it's church that saves you, but I believe it's church that helps keeping you saved. Coming here is not going to save you unless you've got a relationship with God. But when you have a relationship with God, being in the house and under the preaching of God's word, it's going to help keep you saved going to help you. Some of you today have said, Pastor P, I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've realized today that you're drifting away. And I know we've covered a lot today. And I know I've already kept you too long and I apologize. But it's so easy to find ourselves drifting away from God. Maybe today you have drifted away from God. But here's the question I want to ask you today. Do you care? Do you care? Do you care? I can't answer that question from you. No one can answer. The only one that can answer that question is you. Do you care that your life is not where it needs to be? If you do, I believe there's two things that you need to do. Here's what needs to happen next. You need to repent. And that's non-negotiable. That's not something we can work around and maybe bypass. I mean, that's a non-negotiable. You've got to repent. You've got to ask for God for forgiveness. But listen to me. Repentance is more than saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is turning away from those things. Going in the opposite direction. It's taking those steps where I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to surround myself with the wrong people. And so on and so on. It's turning away from those things. Saying, I don't want those. But it's getting your heart healthy to be able to receive once again from Him. And here's the second thing we need to do. We need to make a decision to live in such a way that honors Him. My life is going to make a difference because of the difference he made in me. 
my life is now going to be different. I want when people see me that they see God. Because I may be the only Bible they read and I want to make sure they're hearing the gospel story according to the gospel of Jesus and not a gospel message according to Philip that is way off base and it's not going to help them in their lives. I want to live a life that honors God. I can promise you this today. If you really sincerely, generally want God back, He hasn't moved. He's still there, just like always, ready to love you. Don't drift. I know drift happens, but don't drift today. Get anchored to God. Be weird because hopefully I've proven to you, normal isn't working. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.